The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to part two of the Big Blue Big Board podcast of our positional top tens. Chris, we did not go away for very long, but are you ready to break down the defense? Yeah, this is the strength of the draft right here, so let's get to it. Strength of the draft, uh, probably the highest volume of where the Giants are going to pick. Uh, We talked about how they have 12 picks in one of our last podcasts over the weekend. We're not expecting them to pick 12 times, but I would expect a majority of those picks to be on the defensive side of the ball because that is the strength of this draft and it is the weakness on the Giants roster. So let's start with a position they are probably going to hit quite heavy, and that is edge. Like we did for the offense, we're going to break down our our top tens each, uh, and then uh, talk about where we differ, who we like a little more than others, and we'll just go by that but position by position on defense, just like we did offense. So for my edge, we'll get into my top 10. Uh, Brian Burns from Florida State as edge one. Nick Bosa from Ohio State, edge two. Josh Allen from Kentucky is edge three. Montez Sweat from Mississippi State is edge four. I have Clellan Farrell from Clemson at edge five. Our boy, Ben Benogu, edge from TCU, edge six. And then I have Chase Winovich from Michigan is edge seven. O'Shane Zimenez from Old Dominion is edge eight. Then Anthony Nelson from Iowa is edge nine. And Rashawn Gary from Michigan is edge 10 for me. Chris, let's run down your top 10 at edge. Yeah, mine is very similar to yours, basically right down to seven. So... Just to start out, I've got Nick Bosa as edge one, Josh Allen at two, Brian Burns at three, Montez Sweat at four, Clellan Farrell at five, Pace Perfitch at six, Ben Banigu at seven. Here's where we start to get, to get a little bit different. I have Christian Miller from Alabama at eight, then O'Shane Zimenez, Old Dominion at nine, and Ja'Kai Polite out of Florida at ten. 
Yeah, so I think Edge is pretty straightforward. We only have two guys each who are not on each other's. Um, for me, that's Anthony Nelson from Iowa. I like him uh, quite a bit. He was fairly productive, 13% pressure rate per SIS. He only rushed about 80% of the time, so he does have an ability to drop back a little bit. Obviously, if you're drafting someone as an edge rusher, you're not drafting him because of his coverage ability, but Nelson was asked to drop back a little bit, so he does have that ability. And... He was a fairly athletic, 79th percentile per spark. So there's that athleticism upside there. He had a good pressure rate. You can maybe develop him a little more, I think, good in in the mid to late rounds. And then I think surprising as we have talked, you know, it, we found this with the quarterback. I was somehow higher than you on Daniel Jones. I'm also apparently higher on Rashad Gary, uh, who is my edge 10. Obviously, he is not going to be taken at edge 10. So I'm not completely taking him out of my top 10. If you had him in like the third or fourth round and want to try to bank on his athletic upside, I'm for it. But where he's going to go in the first round is why I'm going to stay away. But I don't think his production was so bad that you stay away from him completely. I'm going to stay away from him where he's probably going to be drafted though. Yeah, you know, I actually don't have Rashawn Gary as an edge on my board. I have him listed as an interior defensive lineman, at which point I do have him as a third-round prospect. But I th- maybe I'll get into that when we get to the interior defensive line. Yeah, you know, I have Christian Miller at eight. The fact that he's injured right now, they, I believe he has a torn biceps, I think that hurt him throughout the draft. I I was hoping to get to see him at the Senior Bowl and then at the Combine and then Alabama's Pro Day, and none of that happened because he was he is really good off the ball. He's got good burst. He can bend around the edge. He can play with his hand in the dirt or out of a two-point stance, and he was just disruptive. It was mostly last year, but he – when he was on the field, he was disruptive. So I, I have him as a value pick. I, I don't know that he will be one of the first 10 edges off the board, but I think if a team can get him in the middle rounds, they will get a good player. And then Ja'Kai Polite, God, he has had such a weird draft process. I don't know if he has been sick or if he got hurt and has been just trying to gut through it or if he just got some absolutely terrible advice but the guy we have seen since january is not the guy i saw on tape at florida at florida he looked like a young ocu manura he had probably the best first step in this class and considering this class that's saying something he could get off the ball and he could just get great depth with his first second third step he could bend around the corner there were times he was just in embarrassing offensive tackles he was a little bit leaner uh, kind of a smaller guy so I, i have a feeling maybe somebody told him to put on weight and maybe didn't give him a whole lot of guidance as to how and because what we saw at the combine he was a lot thicker and he had just a lot of bad weight and he had just a terrible workout so i'm I have him at 10 just betting that if you get him, get him in-house and get him 
with just a good nutritionist and good strength and conditioning advice that you could get the guy we saw on the field at Florida back. Yeah, his pre-draft circuit really concerned me. Uh, Through the combine, it seemed like he didn't do very well in the interviews. It seemed like he was not really phased that he didn't do well in the interviews. And his combine testing was atrocious. Below the first percentile, 0.9%. So you you don't see guys succeed there. That is so far below what is the expected or accepted. just athleticism cut off at edge that I would be completely scared away from him. He's someone who would probably be, you know, off my board where it's not really worth taking a shot on him just because that athleticism was so poor. And so that that's why I don't have him there. I'd much rather, as much as we've said, we don't really like Rashawn Gary, especially where he's going to go. I would rather bet on that athleticism than Chikai Polite, who has kind of not done this entire process well, was, I mean, one of the worst athletes athletes we could possibly see from the combine and I just I don't expect that to translate on the field and then you know that's that's where we differ there at the end I think when we look at the top we again we have you know the same top three that are a little switched I I think maybe having Brian Burns as edge one is probably not a very wide held belief but I like him uh, quite a bit very athletic great spark score the 94th percentile, he was second in pressures among this edge class. Football Outsiders released their Saxier, which is their projection system for edge rushers. He was first in their Saxier projection, which takes into account a little bit of scouting, and also in their Saxier rating, which is just the raw data and doesn't take into account the scouting side. So he is a very a very good edge prospect. And there's not a lot of talk of him being the guy at six for the Giants. I think he possibly should be because I think he can be that good. Yeah, you know, I definitely see that with him. You know, He probably has the best bend in this entire class. Just his ability to get, even being a little bit taller guy or a little bit longer guy, just to get low and get his hips close to the ground and get that angle between his legs and the ground to be as small as possible. He can do that better than pretty much anyone. I have Nick Bosa at one just because he is basically his brother, but with better lateral agility. And we already saw Joey Bosa come in and just straight dominate the NFL as a rookie. Both of them came in with just absolutely polished, pro-ready hand usage it was almost impossible for a college tackle to lock in on Nick Bose's chest plate. And it's going to be damn hard for an NFL tackle to do that too. And he also brings power so he could mix a bull rush or a long arm and then put those hands to work with like maybe a club rip or other moves like that. So I just, like that he has more variety open to him as a pass rusher. You know, we both like Josh Allen. We've said that basically from the beginning. I'd like to see him come downhill with maybe a little bit a little bit more of an edge to him as a pass rusher. I think if he if he can learn to do that and maybe continue working on getting stronger, he could have a Khalil Mack like pass rush. Yeah, you know, then we both have 
Montez Sweat at four. I don't know what to think about his heart condition. I don't have the medical report. Supposedly, some teams are wary, but also Mississippi State knew about it. The Senior Bowl knew about it. The NFL knew about it. Everybody's cleared him to play football and to work out. So I'm not sure it's going to be a huge deal. But he is just such a phenomenal athlete that I can't have him any lower than four. I'm not terribly worried about his bend because, yeah, he doesn't have the most flexible hips like Burns does, but he actually does have pretty good flexibility in his ankle, and he can bend around the corner. It's just that Mississippi State rarely put him in a position to do that. They played him at a lot of four and five technique. In the games I watched of him, he was only at like seven technique a couple times. But when he did, he was off the ball and you know, he gave Juwan Taylor headaches. He he embarrassed Dalton Reisner a couple times. Yeah, I think what it's going to come down to here is is the medical for him. I think some teams are going to be okay with what's whatever is going on with the heart issue he uh, apparently has. And then I think some teams just aren't going to, and that's fine. So I, he's going to get drafted by one of the teams that is okay with what's going on. And I think we kind of saw that with uh, Maurice Hurst, who was the interior defensive lineman from Michigan, um, had something with his heart come up at the combine. He dropped to the fifth round. I think some people expected him to go possibly in the first, at least the second. He dropped to the fifth. I'm not sure if Sweat's going to you know, drop that far, but Hurst played all year in Oakland uh, just fine. So I'm not sure how similar those situations are, but there is a little bit of precedent there. So uh, let's move on now to the interior defensive line class. I'll go through my top 10. Quinn and Williams at one, Ed Oliver two, Jerry Tillery from Notre Dame three, Christian Wilkins from Clemson four, Jeffrey Simmons from Mississippi State at five, Draymond Jones from Ohio State at six, Zach Allen from Boston College at seven, Dexter Lawrence from Clemson at eight, Charles Menehue from Texas at nine, and Tristan Hill from UCF at ten. Chris, let's go to yours. All right. Once again, we are pretty similar through the top five. I have Quinton Williams one, Ed Oliver two, Jeffrey Simmons at three, Christian Wilkins at four, Jerry Tillery at five, then Jalen Ferguson out of Louisiana Tech at six, Zach Allen at seven, Charles Amenehu at eight, Dexter Lawrence at nine, and then Gerald Willis out of Miami at ten. So... I think I will start off by saying I believe in Jeffrey Simmons. You know, if he was healthy, if he hadn't torn his ACL working out for the draft, I believe he would be a borderline top 10 pick. He is just that good. He didn't get the buzz during the season that Williams and Oliver got, but he is, he was right there with them. Just great off the ball, disruptive, Stout, did everything you could ask a defensive tackle to be, he could do that. Yeah, I think the injury is obviously going to be a pretty big deal. He is coming off an ACL, which I guess isn't as big of a deal as it used to be, but because it happened so late, he did miss everything, and so the recovery time is going to be unknown for the start of the season. There also, he did have a 
you know, off the field incident, I believe in high school. So I think that might hang up some teams a little bit. Although I think if you, if you read into what uh, Mississippi state people have said about him, he's, he's been great since being there. So maybe that's not as big of an issue as it potentially could have been, but yeah, the, the ACL does, does play a part. You know, I, I still have him as number five for me. So it's not like I'm, I'm completely running it off. Obviously, we like Quinn Williams and Ed Oliver, who are just the beasts um, yeah. and should be top 10 picks. You know, I like Jerry Tillery a lot, who is a very good athlete, very good pass rusher from the interior. Um, and one crazy thing about uh, Tillery is he tested really well at the combine with a torn labrum. He got surgery on a torn labrum like two days after the combine. Uh, so he played part of the season with that torn labrum. He had all of his pre-draft process with that torn labrum. So he just had surgery, but he should be back and that recovery will be a little quicker. And with the shoulder, you don't really worry about it quite as much. So he's someone I'm very high on. He, I think he should be a first rounder. And I think when you look at what I think both of us look like, I think we do value pass rush from the interior. Both of us have Dexter Lawrence uh, quite well. Again, I'm surprised I am technically higher on Dexter Lawrence than you. I have him at eight, you have him at nine. But when when you look at the other guys we have in that area, the Zach Allen, the Amenahue, I have Tristan Hill, you have Gerald Willis, all of that is, is pass rush potential from the interior. Yeah, and I do have Tristan Hill as my IDL 11. So I, I really like him too. I, I would like to know why he lost his starting job his final year at UCF. But yeah, he's just such a great athlete. He's so disruptive. I'd, t- I'd take the chance on him. I think our biggest difference is probably you have Draymond Jones and I have Jalen Ferguson. I was disappointed in Jones after the season you know, at the combine. He what I saw at the combine just did not measure up to what I was expecting based on the season. But Jalen Ferguson, I have him as an IDL, not as an edge. You know, kind of like Rashawn Gary, I don't know that he has just that ability to bend the edge that you need from an edge defender. But he is just such a bully. I don't think there's a question he could step in and play five technique or three technique in a nickel situation and give guards fits so that's just where i am with him and you kind of have to respect the production yeah that makes sense i mean for me i would have liked draymond jones's production to be a little better only the 21st percentile in spark but he was still able to to push the pocket a little bit 9.9 percent pressure rate pretty good good enough for me where some of these guys are especially in in that area so when he's able to to push the pocket like that from the interior i think he has more you know functional mobility than he has actual like great athleticism which of course the guys i think have great athleticism are the guys i have you know at the top uh quinnon williams who's just really good not a super athlete but just 
incredible at creating pressure. And Oliver, who is that super athlete, I think Jerry Tillery has that potential. So I do like Draymond Jones just from what he was able to show. And then you look at all the other guys and Zach Allen is someone I think we both like from the ability to play on the inside and the outside. And then I like Jones a little more than Amenihu. And I think Tristan Hill is someone uh, we talk about. He was kind of in an Ed Oliver situation where he was played a little more on the nose than he probably should should have he probably should have been a little more of a attacking like three technique in a more traditional defensive tackle I think if an NFL team puts him there he will be uh, much better the the difference with Hill and Oliver was you know he's not at Oliver's status so when he uh, got on his coach's nerves I think he just lost the starting job instead of just being at Oliver and the coaches being like well we have to put him out on the field um so I think that's where a big difference is there yeah and yeah Gerald Willis, I think he is a guy who's kind of been overlooked throughout the process. Just watching the Miami defense, they're through 2017 and at the start of 2018, they were fun to watch and Willis just kept flashing in the middle. So I think his best football is ahead of him. Yeah, I, I think so too. He, he was decent at creating pressure. He would be my interior 11 also. So I, I think he, he does have some upside. You would like to see a little more of uh, pass production for me to feel good, but he was crazy. Uh, 22 run stops, which was the second most for this interior line class, um, just behind Quinn and Williams. So he's able to get himself into the backfield in the run game. Uh, you would hope that translates a little bit into the pass game, and that's where I would feel a little better about him there. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, Trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. So let's move on to off-ball linebacker, which interesting. Um, I, I think we might get some angry emails over this one. <laughs> it's it's an interesting position where uh, there's a very clear top two, and then after that, who knows? So I'll just run down mine. So 
I think we will give it away a little. We agree here on the order of the first two, which is not widely held belief, but I have Devin Bush from Michigan as linebacker one, then Devin White from LSU as linebacker two, then Blake Cashman as linebacker three, Jelani Tavai from Hawaii as LB4, and Ben Burkirvin from Washington as linebacker five. I have Tavon Coney from Notre Dame as linebacker six, Bobby Okuriki from Stanford at seven, Drew Tranquil from Notre Dame at eight, Mac Wilson from Alabama at nine and Chase Hansen at 10. Yeah, you know, we are actually the same through the top three Devin Bush, Devin White, and then Blake Cashman. Though that also happens to be how the off ball linebacker position sorted out with Spark, with Devin Bush as the Spark monster of the class, Devin White a little bit behind him, and then Blake Cashman surprising pretty much everybody and coming up pretty close to Devin White. Uh, then I have Ben Burkirvan at four, Mac Wilson at five, Bobby Okariki at six, uh, Drew Tranquil from Notre Dame at seven, Boshan Joseph of Florida at eight, Terrell Hanks of New Mexico State at nine, and Dakota Allen of Texas Tech at 10. You know, I'm higher on Mac Wilson than you are, but I also am not terribly high on him. I think this will be another case of just pedigree and athleticism getting him drafted highly. He has some Alec Ogletree in him where he is defending his spot and he will not move from his spot. And as, as we've seen, that's not a great trait, but he is athletic. And I think coaches might decide to take a flyer on him, hoping they can coach him out of that. I personally have Blake Cashman and Ben Burkirvan pretty well, not too far behind Devin Bush and Devin white. They're both first round picks on my board. And then Cashman and Burkirvan are solid second round picks. I don't have an off-ball linebacker in the one to two fringe area. And then with the rest of the guys, I just kind of went for athleticism and coverage ability. Yeah, which is what you should be looking at uh, for off-ball linebackers. I mean, that's basically what the game is right now. If you do not have an athletic linebacker who can cover, you might as well just not have a linebacker on the field at all. And to get to your Mac Wilson point, one of the reasons I'm pretty low on him is the talk about him during the season was that he was athletic, but he tested as not a great athlete, only in the 30th percentile from Spark. He ran a 4.71, which is not fast. So when you combine that with some of the instincts he he lacks a little bit at least the quick twitch instincts that he has to to quickly identify something that's that's what really pushes him down my board to linebacker nine but I think it shows the state of this linebacker class that I don't really like Mac Wilson at all and he's still my linebacker nine but I agree with you with you know the athleticism and the coverage Jelani Tavai did not test uh, because of a shoulder injury he had but has been very good in coverage at Hawaii the same thing for Tavon Coney who did not uh, who did not test at the combine but two things Coney has done very well in his career at Notre Dame have been coverage 
He was one of the better coverage linebackers last year. He's been pretty good throughout his career. I think only career like 4.4 yards uh, per target allowed over about 33 targets, I believe, per Sports Info Solutions. So that's very good to me. And Cody does not miss tackles. He has one of the lowest broken tackle rates uh, of this class. So even if there's no testable athleticism, I think the fact that he has proven to cover well and does not have broken tackles when he is trying to make them in this class, that is more than enough for me. Yeah, that that is a whole lot of good traits to have. And with Tavai, I I hate that he was injured. I wish he could have worked out because a lot more people would be talking about him. Yeah, I think so. I think that's possibly why he he might be a good value pick for yeah. a team that can take him, especially in this linebacker class where, you know, after the top two, maybe the top three, if you do like Cashman a little bit, but he's not on the, you know, the same tier of, of the two Devons. So it's, it's going to be trying to figure out, you know, what interests you in a linebacker once you get past that mark and uh, for a lot of people, it sh- it should be coverage. That is what rules in the NFL right now. These big hulking, run stopping linebackers, they just they they don't play often enough to make an impact. Um, and teams aren't running often enough uh, for them to make an impact. So let's move on to a position that I believe does make quite a bit of an impact, and that is cornerback. I'll run through my top ten. Greedy Williams from LSU is my corner one. Byron Murphy from Washington is number two. Rocky Sin from Temple, number three. DeAndre Baker from Georgia, number four. Jamel Dean from Auburn, number five. Justin Lane from Michigan State is number six. Amani Oruwarie from Penn State is number seven. Trayvon Mullen from Clemson is number eight. Julian Love from Notre Dame is number nine. And Mike Jackson from Miami is number 10. All right. And I think fairly consistently, my we have the same two top corners, but they're swapped. I have Byron Murphy from Washington as CB1. Greedy Williams at two, then DeAndre Baker at three, Amani Oruwarie at four, Justin Lane at five. I have David Long from Michigan at six, Rocky Sin at seven, Julian Love at eight, Isaiah Johnson from Houston at nine, and Joan Williams from Vanderbilt at ten. So our top two, I just happen to believe that Byron Murphy, even though speed is a problem for him, I think he will get his speed. I don't think he's a slow corner. I think he's faster than he tested at the combine because he added weight. So I think that will kind of normalize as he gets used to just being a 190-pound corner instead of a 175-pound corner or whatever he played at at Washington. Yeah, yeah. he did. He, his frame didn't look over overly bulky, so I don't the weight actually looked fairly natural on him, so I think that will the speed will come back. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I think why I have Greedy over Byron, who I think both of them are very good. I just think Greedy spent a lot more time at LSU in man coverage, and Byron Murphy was a lot more in zone at Washington, and that's fine. I just think Greedy is going to be able to catch up in man coverage at the NFL level a little quicker than Byron Murphy is, although I do think Byron, it's not that Byron Murphy is not going to be able to catch up to that. I just think I, I like Greedy's projection a little bit with 
with his size and his length on the outside in man coverage uh, than I do Byron Murphy, who a uh, little shorter, played a lot in zone. Uh, I still think he's going to be a very good cornerback, still my number two. Uh, I just think that puts Greedy at the top for me. Yeah, and that's fair. DeAndre Baker, I he didn't take the step forward that I think a lot of people were expecting from him coming into the 2018 season, but I don't know. I still like him. Yeah. He's just a very sticky corner. Once he gets in tight coverage on somebody, he just stays there. And I also do like his ball skills. Uh, or you know, I think we've been over him enough that, you know, he didn't test out as fast as I think people thought, but if you want just a big press man coverage corner, he's going to be a good one. And that's something that crops up kind of again and again and again, just in my bottom five or six, Justin Lane, David Long, uh, Isaiah Johnson, and Joe Williams, just all long either look like wide receivers or actually are converted wide receivers. They can, all of them play just press man coverage. Yeah, Isaiah Johnson is a guy. I he intrigues the hell out of me. I I'm not sure if he's going to last long enough to be a value pick, but I think he could almost be like a Darius Slay type player once he really gets it because he's still transitioning from a wide receiver. And then Rocky Sin, I'm high on him too. Keep going back to the battles he had with Debo at the Senior Bowl. I would take him basically anywhere starting maybe even the late first round. I, I would be totally okay with that. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty high on Rocky Sin. Obviously, uh, I'd spent a, quite a bit of time watching him during the regular season for the, uh, the college football. I did watch during the regular season. I watched Temple quite a bit uh, because that is where I went to school. So he was he was very good. It did not allow long receptions at all. Was basically a completely shut down. So he is who I like. That's why he is my uh, corner three, uh, right behind Greedy and. Byron Murphy. Uh, and then, yeah, I do have uh, DeAndre Baker. Jamel Dean is someone I like a lot uh, who is not on your list. He is uh, super athletic. He has two knee injuries, which I believe is probably going to hold up some teams. It's probably why his draft stock is not going to be as high as it should be. Um, he was healthy enough to test at the combine and boy, did he test at the combine. Pretty much jumped through the roof. Uh, a 4-3-40, 41-inch vertical, 130-inch broad jump. These are all great explosive metrics. And then when you look at his coverage metrics, only allowed 31.9% of 47 targets to be completed last year per Sports Info Solutions, just under five yards per target allowed. Uh, so I think Dean has a lot of upside. And you look at him, he's 6'2", so he also has the length you would like. So that's why I am higher on him uh, than most. And then the other guys, I, I think we just differ a little bit. I think from athleticism, David Long's probably my, my corner 11. He is super athletic and good. He's just a little small for me. I think he's uh, list, was listed at 5'11", or 5'10", and 5'8", so just under 5'11". So uh, for me, I was just thinking a more... I, I'd rather focus on some outside guys who, who can be a little bigger and win more on the outside. Log might be able to do that because he has the athleticism and the college production to 
to have that. Uh, and then I think I like some other guys like uh, Mike Jackson was also fairly athletic, the 91st percentile in Spark, and allowed just a 37% of his passes to be completed on him last season. So this is this, this is a good corner class. I I like the corners here. I think some people say this isn't a great corner class, which maybe once you get past, you know, Greedy and Byron Murphy, there's maybe not the, the top, top tier. But I think there's some pretty useful contributors all over this place. And, and I, I think this is a fairly deep cornerback class. Yeah, kind of like the off-ball linebacker, there's a little bit of a gulf between the top two guys and then everybody else. But there's a lot of players who could fit in a lot of different coverage schemes you know there are like we said guys who can play press man there's guys who could play quarters or or uh, cover two there's cover three corners you should be able to find a cornerback that fits your defense in this class even if they're not going to be you know a blue chip star one guy he he fell just outside of my top 10 you know that I like for a lot of the same reasons you like Dean is Sean Bunting out of Central Michigan. You know, again, he's got the size. He didn't exactly jump out of the gym, although 41 and a half inches ain't bad. But just an all around good athlete that I think a team could take a chance on and maybe come up with a good contributing player, maybe even as late as the third day. Yeah, it's certainly possible. I think it might go before that. I think there's been some pickup on the, the Sean Bunting hype. 41% of passes completed against him. That's good. Just 5.79 yards per target last year, which, which is decent. So, yeah, I think there's... It's like you said, it's kind of like the linebacker position where afterward it's just kind of trying to figure out what you're looking for. But the thing about corners is they matter way more than the off ball linebackers do. So let's finish this up with a go through the safety rankings. It's our last position, so I will start. Chauncey Gardner Johnson from Florida is safety one. Cedar Adley from Delaware is my safety two. Taylor Rapp from Washington, my safety three. Juan Thornhill from Virginia is my safety four. Deontay Thompson from Alabama is my safety five. Amani Hooker from Iowa, safety six. Darnell Savage from Maryland, my safety seven. Jonathan Abram from Mississippi State, my safety eight. Marvell Tell from USC is my safety nine. And Sheldrick Redwine from Miami is my safety 10. Chris, let's run through your top 10. Okay, top two, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Nazir Adderley. Same, same. Then for three, I have Darnell Savage out of Maryland. Then Deontay Thompson out of Alabama. Taylor Rapp out of Washington. Juan Thornhill out of Virginia. Jonathan Abram out of Mississippi State. Amani Hooker out of Iowa. Then Ugo Amadi out of Oregon and Jaquan Johnson out of Miami. Really, the only places we have different guys are at 9 and 10. I think I've been fairly consistent about liking Ugo Amadi just because of his coverage ability. Yeah, he, I don't, he didn't test out as a great athlete, but you know he is just really good at coverage. So for a free safety, I have to like that. I think I'm higher on Darnell Savage than a lot of people are. 
Apparently not, because I think Ian yeah. Rappaport tweeted that he might be finding his way into the back half of the first round. So oh, people are people are finally starting to listen to me because you know for me he just plays up to his name. When he comes downhill from a deep zone, he is just savage, and I think he might be the fastest safety in this group. Yeah, he had a great combine. He does everything. He can cover out of the slot. He can play a deep zone. He is fearless coming downhill. I just really like watching him play. Yeah, he's someone who can you know move around quite a bit. Let's see, for Sports Info Solutions, he played twenty two point two percent of his snaps from the slot last year, a seven point six percent in the box. He was a super athletic uh, safety. From the combine, 86th percentile, a uh, 4.3640. So he does have that straight line speed, which you like. Yeah, I, I do like him. I just, I think I, I like a couple guys, you know, more than him who uh, potentially a little athletic can move around, you know, a little more. I still have him as, you know, safety seven. I like a money hooker and Deontay Thompson just a little more. I think Juan Thornhill can possibly be that. He was a little more athletic, especially per spark, and can move around a, a little bit. And I liked a little more what he did at Virginia than what Savage did. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to be opposed to you liking Darnell Savage a, a lot. I think that's a little bit of this is because we're grouping all safeties together is a little bit, you know, eye of the beholder here. Uh, again, I think a lot of this is, but because we're more so in this position than the rest is, you know, you're kind of playing two different positions. I think one thing the Giants will like specifically is guys who can play all around. I think you have that with most of the guys we listed. You have Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who basically was a nickel corner last year, but can play free safety, can play strong safety. He can play all over the field. It just makes plays literally everywhere. He is so good and so yeah. fun to watch. Probably outside of Kyler Murray, maybe my favorite prospect to watch this year. I mean, Kyler Murray uh, was just insane. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson just made plays all over the place. Uh, not surprising, he is the safety one for both of us. As we get into our differences, Marvell Tell, for me, I like him a lot. He is a guy who can play, I think, all over the place. Had super athletic, good testing at the Combine in the 99th percentile of Vark. Um you know, he only ran a 4.59, but all of his other testing was crazy. A 4.01 short shuttle, um, which is kind of insane. He was great in the jumps. I think he has the ability to play all three safety positions. So I think that athleticism and that versatility, I think, can make him a, a mid to late round steal. Uh, and the same thing goes for Sheldrick Redwine, uh, who was also uh, fairly athletic and can play all those different positions. So I think that's why I have uh, those two there over the the. Two you guys you have at the bottom yeah and that's fair yeah i would say marvell tell among these safeties wins the name game and you know if he makes a roster and becomes a player and a major contributor he's going to get nicknamed captain marvel i th that's just going to happen <laughs> yeah let's do it right right when uh right when avengers endgame also comes out yeah yeah and shazam is still in the theater so there you go the original wow. captain marvel <laughs> That is true, and now we are getting nerdy on a, a whole different area. I never restrain my nerd. 
<laughs> I let him run free. So that is where we are uh, for the defense. We've now run through our top tens on offense and defense. This should be a huge preview for all of you guys as we get into the draft, which is happening this week. It is so soon. Uh, so we're going to have a lot of fun stuff on Big Review. We've been running uh, community mock drafts that Chris has been in charge of. Uh, some interesting results through that. We're going to have a big board out. Uh, the two of us will combine for a big board later in the week, and then we're going to have a lot of a lot of draft coverage. A whole bunch of stuff. Instant reaction online. We are going to be back with instant reaction podcasts. I believe after each day, at least after round one, we know that. So a lot of exciting stuff. The draft is finally here, and then we can all relax a little bit. Um, so thank you guys all for coming along this path with us. The Giants were not very good this year, so we turned one of our podcasts into a draft podcast like back in October, I think. So uh, we, have, yep. <laughs> we have been on this path for quite a long time. So thank you, everyone who have been listening uh, to us talk about draft prospects for all of this time. Uh, we really appreciate it. So find all our work on BigBlueView.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. You can follow Chris on Twitter at RaptorMKII. We're still doing stuff for the draft for these next couple of days and we'll have the fallout quite after. So thank you guys for listening. We will talk to you again soon.